I'm in the zone. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to In the Zone podcast with Jeremy and Jose. Jeremy, how's it going, man? I didn't mean to jump in. It's there. okay. Just... It's all good. We're excited. We're yeah. pumped up, yeah. baby. Yes, I am. We're yes, fired am. up. Jose, it was off the air, actually, but I can, hey, a man can admit his wrongs. I was wrong. I picked the Niners to beat the Chiefs. Jose had picked the Chiefs, and Jose, I can admit, man, you were right. I, I warned you. I warned you. And I was close, 35 to 24. I was close. You were close. You were I close. have it written down right here. I do have some text. You were pretty nervous for most of that game, as I bet all the Chiefs' kingdom was, but uh, they pulled it out. Yeah, and, and I don't know if they pulled it out or the 49ers helped them pull it out. True, but, uh, true. That is debatable as well, but it was a, it was a good game. It was right. a little, to me, it was a little boring, especially the first half. Yeah. Nothing really big was going on, but it turned out to be an okay game. Mm-hmm. And we had said off the air that – if the Chiefs won, we had an epi- there's an episode coming. And, Jose, let me, let me take you back in time. We're going to get into DeLorean. That's right. We're going to go back to early 1999. Eagles coming off of an awful, awful 3-13 year, the worst team in the NFL. Fired Ray Rhodes. Looking for a new head coach. And they hired... There's all these names. Yeah. Okay, this guy, that guy. Yeah, Brian Billy. Yeah, so many Kubiak. guys. So many guys, and they hired Andy Reid, yeah, quarterback coach for the Packers. And I pulled up some stuff from '99, actually, of the reaction. So the late Bill Lyon, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, I, I remember <laughs> you that. You saw piece. that, yes. And great, great writer just passed away recently. Talked about hiring Andy Reid, a large, lumbering, slightly rumpled man with a walrus mustache. He's got He's, a walrus mustache. He does. That part was okay, <laughs> I guess. But he said, we lead the league in jumping to conclusions, and sure, sure enough, the early wisdom is that a quarterback coach from Green Bay was not what the Eagles needed. The fans and the fan inflamers wanted someone with experience, someone proven. Give us Parcells, they moan. Give us Seifert or give us Shanahan. And if not them, then give us like Jose said, a Brian Billick or a Gary Kubiak. We want a who's who, and you gave us a who's he. Yeah, he destroyed them right off the bat. And, uh, and I, you know what, though? Yeah. Like, I didn't know who Andy Reid was either. You know, he, he was a quarterback's coach for the Packers for that one year. Um, and I, I didn't think that was the right hire. But, he, you know, we'll get into it, but he blew them away at the interview. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously it was the right choice. It's just interesting to me. I don't think, Jose, I'm trying to think who has maybe a more interesting career, especially a, a great coach. We, I think we can agree he's a great coach. Yeah, definitely. Than Andy Reid. I feel like he's kind of like a mix of, I'm going to use pop quote, but like Roddy Dangerfield and like Forrest Gump. <laughs> like Roddy, where he gets no respect. Yeah. But Forrest Gump, where if you look at it, he's bounced around. And he's just kind of all shucks. That's how Andy Reid is. Yeah. But he's been around some of the most colorful personalities, the most controversial players. And it's just there's Andy right there, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I, and I and I like that about Andy because you know he was he didn't want the spotlight, you know it was all about the players, you know, and he didn't want to put blame on anyone else. He kept it all on himself, which I know that a lot of the players respect. I mean, we I've seen interviews and, and quotes that the players, you know, what I'm saying oh, like that, he keeps everything in house, you know, and you know I the, the press conferences used to frustrate me, you know, but. He, he, he was a great coach. He, he, I think he was a great coach. I think yeah. he is a great coach. He is a great coach, yeah. and I think he did a great, uh, outstanding job in Philadelphia. And we know he's done an outstanding job 
especially it was uh, icing on the cake uh, for what he's done for Kansas City as well. Yes, big time. And I was very happy that he got that Super Bowl win. He much needed Super Bowl win. You know, a lot of the, you know, you see it on Twitter, whatever, you know, social media. You see a lot of the ex-players, a lot of Eagles players very happy for him. I seen Brian Dawkins drop a video. He was almost crying for him, you know. And, you know, a lot of those guys still love Andy, man. And, um, you know, I was happy. I was very happy. For, I was rooting for the Chiefs that day. Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, for the End of Zone podcast, we connect the past to the present. We're that bridge for all you sports fans. And so we're, we, let's look back on it. We can, we're definitely going to get into the KC years and what he's done here. Yeah. But I really do mean it. I think looking at all these other, and he's different to me. Other great coaches have been assistants and bounced around. But Andy is uncommon. Like he wasn't a coordinator, nope. offensive or defensive. And his personality, I think, you know, not to, but we could we go there. His appearance and personality, other coaches at least want to present that, like, I'm in charge, I'm the yeah. CEO, I'm the general. Andy doesn't really do that. Yeah, a lot of coaches want to show you how smart they are. Yes. And, and he wasn't like that. And I think that was like a turn in, like, the coach's mindset, too. You know, you have the, the Belichick's as, as well. You know, they didn't want to give you too much at the press conferences. It wasn't a show. It was just, like... We won the game. This is how we won. Time's yours. Right. You know, and that kind of started that, that genre, if you want to say, of yeah. coaches and, and, and kind of keeping it to the best. And, and he was great at that. He was, he's unbelievable at it. Yeah. And um, let's, let's look back. Let's start. To me, I was thinking about it once we, you know, we saw the Chiefs have won. That first year, 99, how much of a whirlwind that was for him. I know. You know, he gets hired in one of the biggest media, maybe it's arguably the toughest media market, and people are saying, who is he? Not a coordinator. Why'd you hire Jeffrey Lurie? Got ripped for it. Yep. Joe Banner was there, got ripped for it. What are the Eagles doing? We just got done with Ray Rhodes. Why didn't we get this big name? Always wanting the sexy name and all that. Yeah. And then we go to the draft, 99 draft, and he's a part of one of the more infamous and controversial moments in draft history, really. Yeah, and... And I, I'm gonna be honest. I was a part of that fan base that wanted, you know, Ricky Williams. I, I, I definitely wanted him. I was watching him run in Texas, getting dudes concussions, and I was like, wow, yeah, this is the guy. We need to get this guy. And you know, kudos to Andy and, and Joe Banner and all those guys. They knew who they wanted. They targeted McNabb, and they picked the right guy. Yeah, it, it's a, it's really a game changing draft uh, in a lot of ways. And it changed the Eagles' fortunes. Yep. You know, Andy and Donovan were then paired at the hip for the next decade. And it was a controversial but effective decade as well. And you know, a lot of credit's not given to he did it in Kansas City too. Ninety nine was a tough year. Yeah. Went five and eleven. Yep. But that second year turned it around. Yeah, they made the playoffs. Yeah, eleven and five. And they opened up two thousand. We all remember it. It's maybe one of the more infamous games in Eagle lore, that pickle juice game. Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they came out, they came, that game blew Dallas out, you know. And I, I had a feeling that after that game, obviously, I went nuts. And, and, but I knew something was different. Yeah. You know, I, I, I knew something was about to turn around. You saw it. It, it is interesting. You look at the, you know, we connect everything to the past because you don't know it. I was at Andy's first win. In October, but we don't think about it as as his first win. It's a '99. That was Michael Irvin's final game where he got hurt at the vet. Yeah, everybody cheered for him. Yeah, everyone. I was at that game, which I forget. I think of the Michael. I forget that I was at Andy Reid, this all-time coach, 
probably the best Philly coach in my lifetime, really. Yeah, yeah. That I was at his first win. I think about Michael Irvin being hurt and the end of a great career and how the fans – I'm a Philadelphia fan, but how disrespectful that was. So you didn't cheer? Oh, no, I was, I was bothered okay. by that. Okay. I was really bothered okay. by that. I was. And then you look back the next year in 2000, that, that pickle juice game, Deuce running for 201 yards. Yep. You know, it looked like that was the game where, like, something's different. We, we're, 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 we can be competitive. And that was really the end of it for Troy Aikman. Yeah, that Dallas, that was the end of that Dallas team. Yeah, yeah and, that, and then Dallas went on a, you know, a shitty run for a little exactly. while, there, which made me, which made it even better. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It was the Eagles turnaround, right on time and on cue with Dallas's kind of downfall. And you know, you bring up McNabb, and you bring up Andy drafting McNabb. Pretty much, he he drafted McNabb thinking he was going to make that Patrick Mahomes. Yes, you know, and I see Patrick Mahomes now, and obviously he's. I'm not comparing McNabb to Mahomes, but that's what Andy's idea was at that time. You know, like, and then it's it's crazy because you can look at it now and go looking back. Oh, that's why he picked McNabb. Right, right, and it's um, it's something I've read somewhere, uh, an article on the Ringer talking about Andy, and they quoted this. I mean, I, I'm a big Malcolm Gladwell fan. I think of his of his books and even his podcast, and that he says the great thinkers aren't really the inventors are the guys who change. They tweak things. They keep tweaking it, keep improving it. And, you know, Andy, like, you know, I'm glad you brought it up, went from Brett Favre in Green Bay, yep. who was, you know, rocket cannon arm, liked to improvise, uh, push it to the limit. So then he got to Philly, his first head coaching job, and wanted someone who had that athletic ability, had that arm, but could kind of be more tamed, and that's where you get Donovan. Yep. A little too tamed, but go ahead. A little too tamed, <laughs> and then he kept evolving it. Then he, he saw, you know, what the college games was doing, and that's when he thought the idea to bring in a Michael Vick. Yeah, we'll get into that definitely. Yeah, but you know, Andy, for me, like that's why he holds a. That's why I think he's a great coach, and not only X's and O's, but he wasn't scared to make those big decisions like that when it comes to you know who's playing quarterback. For yeah, him. but we'll, we'll definitely get into the Vick stuff. So, but. and then he, like you see the evolution. Mm-hmm. To Alex Smith, even yep. people forget that, but he saw that Alex Smith. There was a method behind the madness yeah. that he ran that offense with Urban Meyer in Utah. That you know that up tempo kind. Of, so that's why he brought in Alex Smith, but didn't have the arm. Nope. And then jackpot. You Fin- get, he finally hit the jackpot. He finally hit it, but it's it's been just an interesting ride. And you look at it, you know, the success that they had in the two thousands in Philly. I mean, Donovan's a very good quarterback. I'm not taking that away from him. Yes, he but he's not this legendary guy. But the Eagles were—if you look at the—they were the best team of the NFC for that decade. Yes, hands down, most consistent team, definitely. Yeah. as well. I mean, there were a couple of really good teams, but they were the most consistent from the from 2000 to the end 09. of the decade. Yeah, yeah. to 09, and you know, again, going back to what you were just talking about with Andy Reid and and. You know, even when, like if you look at Alex Smith, let's just say real quick, he was almost mirror image of McNabb. You know, without the arm. Yeah. You know, check down King. You know, making plays with his legs. People forget Alex Smith was a, is a pretty good. You know, he's athletic. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And um, but he doesn't get called that athletic quarterback. You know? No, no. Like no. the other quarterbacks. Like the other quarterbacks. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But, but you can see like his mindset on what he wanted from you know from a quarterback. No. And you look at it, how quick of a run. People forget. And now there's parts of 
you look at Philadelphia, those pieces were there, especially on defense. You had uh, Dawkins was there, and Troy Vincent, and Bobby Taylor, and, and Trotter was there, yeah. and Hugh was even there. So yeah. there, there were those the remnants of what you would see, those classic Andy teams were there. But they were they were a mess on the railroads. Oh yeah, especially at the end. Yeah, you know, and then they they had they had no stability. You know, you had John Gruden here, you know, offensive coordinator. They had a really good offense that year, but it was more mix and match pieces. Coy Detmer, Ern Fryer, yeah, Ricky Waters, like Absolutely. those guys. There was a lot of thrown. Charlie Garner. Charlie, oh, I love Charlie Garner. Thunder <laughs> Lightning, and um, but it was a lot of pieces just thrown together. You knew, I, I knew, I knew Coy Detmer. I mean, Ty Detmer was not gonna be our quarterback for the future you know and you didn't love Bobby Hoyne you weren't a Bobby Hoyne guy Jose of course I I was of course I was I thought he was going to be they compared him to John Elway you know I saw him coming out of course of out of Ohio State and I was like this is our guy but you know that didn't work out and you know I once Andy came and and that was a thing like I guess that's why I love McNabb so much I mean to me he's the best Eagles quarterback of all time I mean, Carson is going to surpass that. If he stays healthy. If he stays healthy. But as of today, he's the best quarterback the Eagles ever had. I mean, and again, for me, it was – I was used to seeing guys like Rodney Pete and Ty Detmer and Bobby Hoying and all those guys come in and try to play quarterback. And then finally we had the one guy. Like, this is the one guy that we're going to have, you know. And, and I was very excited for that. I needed to see that, you know. Because even in those Randall years towards the end, you know, it was – this was the first stable quarterback the Eagles had in a long time. Yeah. You know, and it was, I, for me, it was much needed. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, the Eagles had gotten more. There, It wasn't a crappy job. Still, it had a little bit of success. You know, when the buddy years, they were more infamous and more popular. Yeah. And then Ray Rose had it. But it's still, it's not the job that we see now. No, definitely not. Andy made it a high coveted job that was Andy Reid and he talked about that he's like we're going to turn this thing around and who would have known how quickly he would have done it and with those teams and with a a a heck of a coaching staff too oh unbelievable coaching staff and you know they always talk about a quarterback I mean uh, coaches like coaching tree right like Mike Holmgren you know we'll get into that I guess a little later but he had a great he had a lot of great assistants and he did too now they didn't have the success that like guys like Holmgren and, and Bill Walsh's quarter I mean coaching tree had, right. but a lot of Andy's assistants were head coaches. Yeah. He's yeah. up there when you look at it, um, the the coaching trees you hear about always are you're gonna hear Bill Walsh, because Bill Walsh was the foundation of that. Yep. And then you hear about Mike Holmgren. Yep. Bill Parcells has a great coaching tree as well. Definitely. And of all these guys, Andy is right up there. He is. And I think we have to look at it. Not all these coaches have that. Lombardi's coaches failed. Yep. Belichick's coaches have not succeeded. Nope. And there's something to it. I think it's a legacy builder for all these guys that you're teaching coaches and you're influencing the game in a different way. And that's kudos to the Walshers, the Holmgrens, the Parcells, and Andy. Yeah, and that's the difference of a good coach and a great coach, in my opinion. You know, because, yeah, you can coach good players. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to do that, you know, by no means. But it's a little easier, you know, if you have really good players to be a good coach, you know. and But to to also develop players and coaches, it's it speaks to what type of coach you are. What Andy also has, that's why I say he's the most interesting guy because – He's he's not this. He's more interesting to me, honestly. His 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 
career arc than even a Bill Belichick. Not saying he's better than Bill Belichick, but he's more interesting to me because he's bounced around other places. You know, Belichick's pretty much been Brady and and him for that that time in New yeah. England. But it's different quarterbacks. It's different personalities. It's different styles of football. In his per, even Belichick, you know, he's quiet. You get that presence that Belichick's running New England. Yes. Andy, you kind of get like, even though he's a great leader, he is. You see what he does and how the players respect him, past and present, and other coaches and all that stuff. He doesn't give that. He doesn't lead. He doesn't have to say, "Look at me, I'm in front." And he's even developed GMs. Yeah. Chris Ballard, Howie Roseman, you know the current uh, chief GM now, Brett Veach. You know he's developed these guys. And that's something that the other coaching trees don't even have. He's developing GMs. Yeah, and 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 he's also and you talked about it too, like the adjustments he's made, and from his first couple teams to the teams of Kansas City now, like that has like you talk you comparing them to not comparing them but com, the comparison is to Belichick and you know you look at Belichick like you said it's very stable, same kind of team most throughout the twenty years plus you know. But Andy, all these teams are different. Yeah. You know, some of these teams, the early Eagles teams, they were more methodical. You know, dink and dunk tight end, running backs out the backfield. He had no wide receivers. You yeah. Know? And you look at the teams where, you know, as of today, you know, and I know the game's evolved. I get that. But he's had to evolve with the game, and he's done that. He's done that well. He's been one of the leaders of evolving the game, honestly. Yes. You know, um, when we look back, we were going to get to the Kansas City stuff. We look at the highs and the lows. What to you, Jose, would you say are are, are a couple of the highs? We'll start with the highs. A couple of highs in his Philadelphia time. Well, obviously that quick turnaround, like we just talked about. And I, I remember in 2000, playoff game, they, they were home, and it was I think it was like 20 degrees out. It was freezing. And it was a long line. I, we, the Eagles had to make the playoffs in, I don't know, five, six years at mm-hmm. that point. And it was a long line of fans. This is at the vet, and he comes outside, and he's handing out hot chocolate. You know, like, yeah. who does that? Well, I, I've never seen a coach do that. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I've never seen a coach right. do that. I'm watching this on the news. You know, it wasn't – he didn't put it out there. It wasn't camera crews following him around. He just went out there and wanted to do that for the fans. You know, and that endeared him a lot to the fans as well. For me, that was a, a personal – personally, right, that was a right, absolutely. high for me. You know, that turnaround, the championship games, you know, obviously we have to talk about that. But even that Rams won the year they lost to the Rams in the NFC championship game. And it was McNabb and a couple of the guys just standing in the huddle, I mean in the tunnel, excuse me, and watching the Rams celebrate like, look, this is going to be us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that, and I knew it was going to be them because you can just, you, you felt that turnaround coming. You felt that, that avalanche of success that was about to hit the Eagles. And, you know, for me that was one of the highs. I mean, dealing with all those guys with the winning, the, the drafting of certain players, you know, you got Corey Simon get added in later on. A couple of, you know, it was a couple of good players added on. Um, but then the T.O. stuff, and that was for me was the, was the low, you know, like the T.O. stuff. And obviously, we'll get into this as well, you know, with losing his son and everything like that. But that's a little different of a low, you mm-hmm. know. That, but for me, it was the T.O. stuff that, that, that really hurt this Eagles team. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say – um, and that's a great memory because I, I remember that. And I think people – and maybe Philadelphia fans are starting to turn around on that. They forget that part. They remember the boring press conferences. But they, I remember that same conference 
I mean, that same thing with the first, the Lions, he's hitting a hot chocolate, giving fans high fives. Yeah. You don't see that, honestly, in any market, let alone a big market. I would think, like, no offense, like a Kansas City, you maybe would see that. Small, Jacksonville. Yeah. But, like, in Philadelphia, you don't see Phil, or in New York, or in that Boston, you don't see that kind of stuff happening. No. It's just, no. But Andy did that, and people, I feel like, forgot that. But I, I think uh, a high for me that I like that doesn't get talked about but was the game that I felt like we're on that elite level. It was that same, that 2001 season, that playoff. It's the week before when we go to Soldier Field on the road in the divisional round yeah. and win that ball game and beat you know the Erlacher-led Bears, and that was a tough defense. And that, to me, winning on the road in the divisional round, getting to the championship game, because that's the third year for Andy, yep. and the third year for Andy and Donovan, and I was like, all right, the year before, we, we got, I don't want to say shellacked, but kind of by the Giants in that divisional game. The Giants, yeah, they, they beat them now, yeah. The Giants wound up winning the NFC that year, and it was like, all right, well, we're, we're a playoff team, but I don't know if we're there. And to me, that game, that win, the way they had the rally, they came back and pretty much methodically beat down the Bears yeah. on their field. Yep was a sign to me like we're an elite team. and Because, you know, this, the, that mindset that a lot of fans have, but definitely in the Philadelphia area, it's you don't want to – don't think, don't project too much because, you know, that gives off bad luck and everything. You're going to jinx it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that win was like, you got to admit it, we are a championship level. We're in the champion. We're in the Final Four pretty much. We're in the championship game. So that was a high for me. Another high is honestly – as much as the Tampa Bay championship game loss was hurtful, and it's maybe my, arguably the most devastating loss Philadelphia ever had. Yeah, you it's know, up there. It's pretty high up there. The coaching job that he did and the way that team rallied in that 0-2 season gets overlooked. I mean, because they were riding high. Donovan gets hurt against the Cardinals. Yeah. His maybe, I think, his signature game. Yep. Threw a couple touchdowns after he broke yeah, his ankle. Yeah, you know. Then you go to Monday night, you got Coy Detmer starting. Coy's playing well, gets yeah, hurt. Gets hurt. He's, he's writhing on the ground. It was really an odd injury, too. He, yeah, I know. I was like, what's going on? Here? Like he shot him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this, I'm like, then you see he's just in a cast, and I'm like, you did a lot of flopping for, yeah. you know, I'm like, I don't take away your pain, but like, geez, I'm like, yeah. I, was, I thought something, I was, I was, I was on my knee praying for you. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen to Coy. And then he bring in a third, AJ Field. Yeah. And you go on that run, winning games, and I know it ended disappointingly, but that's an amazing to be on your third string quarterback. Yep, and still leading that charge. They got AJ a good, nice payday too. He's got a lot of quarterbacks, yeah. some paydays who maybe don't deserve it. You no. know, you gotta look at him for that. But I, I have to agree. The, the, I guess the low for Andy's tenure in Philadelphia is just the what if. Yeah, with Terrell Owens and yeah. what could have been if that it 05 season was it was just it just sucked. It, it did. Yeah, and and that season and for me like the dream team and and those guys like uh, that's another season I wish I can forget those two seasons yeah. were rough were rough seasons. Yeah, you know Andy, it, it was disappointing. It was something that we always wanted because looked at that team. And looked at the offensive line, the defense, the quarterback, and I kind of—I don't know, Jose. I want to see what you think. 
was there ever an explanation or a fair? Do you look back now? We have history mm-hmm. of why he stuck for so long with subpar receivers. Let's say we with the Todd Pinkston, James Thrash, Freddie Mitchell, and he did draft Freddie Mitchell in the first round. He did try with that, but Freddie Mitchell was disappointing. Should have drafted Reggie Wayne. Yeah, I was watching that draft going nuts. But go ahead. <laughs> but just and the, the list can go on and on of of disappointing. You know, for the Torrance Smalls and, and Charles, Charles Johnson. Johnson's, yeah. You know, disappointing wide receivers, and it wasn't – I mean, let's see, like that. That's his sixth season when he signs Terrell Owens. Yeah. So why so long? And that's a criticism of Andy Reid. And that's what I was going to say. The stubbornness. Yes, and that, that was going to be my answer to that question is those first couple years, he I just think he was just stubborn. And I, I think he thought – that his offense was his 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 offensive philosophy was going to overcome that deficiency at wide receiver, and it didn't. It yeah. really hurt them. They lost those first two championship games due to that. Absolutely, because that team was was good enough team to go to the Super Bowl, except position wise, except that wide receiver. I agree. That, that Tampa game, you know, Tampa locked them down. They had a great defense. Don't get me wrong, Hall of Famers all around. But that Carolina championship game, they should have won that game. I think people say that Tampa. Game was like a big low for me. It was the Carolina game because Tampa? I see Tampa. I mean, they were a good team, you know. Right. And and I mean, it was the last game at the vet, and I, I get all that. But that Carolina, that, that championship, they should have beat Carolina. Now, let me ask you: Did you feel that way in the moment, or is that looking back now? You no, that's that more way? looking back. Okay. You know, at the moment, it because it was just perfect that Tampa right. championship game, the last game at the vet. We're going to go out as winners. You know, Tampa was like 0-30 or yeah. 0-100 under certain temperature, under 32 degrees. It was a lock. They dominated Tampa the year before in the playoffs. And, you know, it was a lock. And it was just – I still see Joe Jervish is running down the sidelines yeah. in my dreams sometimes. But I just felt like, okay, they lost that. You know, next year we're going to come out. We're at the championship game. Now we're playing Carolina, who was a decent team, you know, but – they just beat down the Eagles, you know. They defensively, they had to get defense, you know. But they just locked them down. You know, they were playing man all across, and they were just they were just beating the receivers up the yeah. whole game, you know. I think it's interesting because looking back on it, like we, you know, having that, you know, we say in the zone, Darren Jose, we connect past to present. Damn right. With that bridge. Damn right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm just looking at it because I agree with you. I think the the Carolina loss. Is the toughest. That's the one where it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know. But I think I, I'm I'm torn. I'm split because I feel like if we beat Carolina, we're not beating that Patriot team. I think that was the that was a great '03 Patriot team. Yeah, they were. Yes, they I were. don't think if we beat the Rams, which we weren't better than the Rams. No, team. no. But if we would have, but we were up in that game. We could have gotten the upset. I don't think we beat the Patriots in in 2001 even. I think the game they would have game planned pretty well for us. Yeah, that they're, those defenses New England had were really really good. But I believe if we beat Tampa, we beat the Raiders. In the Super I did Bowl. so. So that's where I'm torn. The Carolina loss is just like what? Like how can you lose that game? Yeah, that makes no sense. That was clearly the wide receivers' fault. Like absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think we win the Super Bowl. But I do think that missing title for the Eagles. As far as getting there, you can look at 05 and stuff and say we should have. But 02, I think we beat the Raiders. I really believe we beat the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, we lost, I believe we lost to the Raiders that year. But if they, they, I think the Eagles had a good shot. Uh, the Eagles were totally a different team. Exactly. At that point, you know, but 
And again, going back to that question you just asked, like I just think he was very stubborn early in the in his career. Because if you look at how he, if you look at how he kind of builds a team at this point now from back then, you know he started O line D line as he still does. You yeah. Know? And and we talked about this off the air. I just I think he. He drafts really well when it comes to offensive linemen, defensive linemen. I mean, he was an offensive lineman in nature, and mm-hmm. I mean, I get that, but he just does a good job with that, you know. But what he, I mean, what he started doing towards the end of his tenure here, he was adding that speed on those receiver positions, running back positions, and I just wish he would have been able to kind of finish that off here because the team he left. You know, when yeah. he left Chip Kelly, was an amazing, fast team all around. You know, you had Deshaun, Macklin, McCoy in the backfield. But earlier years, it wasn't about that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I just wish he had that mindset when he first came around. You know? I agree. I agree. And, and it's one of those things where it's, it's – I think it's a plus and a minus that he, he doesn't go with the crowd. He, yeah. But he, he thinks for himself that we still see today in Kansas City. He mm-hmm. thinks on it. He's not just – He's not, we always hear it's a copycat league. I can say Andy's as original as there's there's few who are more original than Andy Reid in so many ways, in so many ways. But I, I look at it as you're absolutely right. It, it became just tough at the end of his time in Philadelphia when you had he lost a lot of those, those coaches that he had. You know, he had Brad Childress, Jim yeah. Johnson had passed away. Marty Morningway. Yeah, you know, Ron Rivera leaves. You know, he, he still had, I know he had brought in Deuce and he had Doug Peterson, but then he had to fire McDermott. Yeah. And, you know, which I felt was the wrong move. I didn't I didn't agree with that firing. But. Yeah, I, I wanted him to stay. He was young, and you saw what he did when he went to Carolina. Right. He, he, he turned and that he's doing around. it in Buffalo yep. right now. yep. So I, I thought they were – so that was a big, to me, a big – when you knew the end was coming was to look at the coaching staff and then you looked at it that he didn't really – he kind of lucked into having Victor. He didn't have really the greatest answer, I felt, for Donovan leaving. No. Because he wanted Kevin Cobb, and that was not the that case. Yeah, I mean, that was a lot of injury too, but he was – I mean, Vic beat him out at the towards the end. Right. So. so it became tough. One thing we can say, though – that that last few years of Andy's time was tough in Philadelphia, but gave us one of the most exciting seasons we saw an athlete have with Vic in 2010. Yes. One of the most surprising seasons we had. And I, I, I've been looking at this game, and it's still – it's one of the great comebacks in NFL history, that miracle at the Meadowlands in 2010, number, number three, really. <laughs> yeah. Andy gave us two miracles: the Westbrook the punt Westbrook return. return yeah. People forget about that miracle. People always do, but we'll go with number three because we both know at number th- that was that was one of the most amazing games of all time. Yeah, that season. And you talked about. Let me just take a step back. You talked about him locking into Vic. I got to give Andy a lot of credit and the Eagles organization as a whole. But I'm sure Andy pushed that button. Just bringing Vic in. Was was tough. Was was a tough thing. They got a lot of backlash, you know, and and even okay. I I remember them bringing Vic in. And I said, Michael Vic. Okay, you know, we had McNabb at that time. You know, Cobb was the backup, and Vic was the third string. And okay, every once in a while they would bring him in as the wildcat. I, I kind of didn't like that, but you know, what is what is he doing with this? You know, and then the next year Cobb gets hurt, and then they come in with Vic and. That takes off. 
to be honest, that was one of my favorite teams, one of my favorite Eagles teams of all times. You know, I'll put the Super Bowl teams to the side, but if I do that, that's probably my favorite team. You know, that, really? Yeah, that, that team was so exciting to watch. And, again, it was a bunch of young guys out there. There was a lot of speed out there, you know, big play offense. It was just fun to watch, man. And, 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 and again, that, I think that started Andy's – changing of like how am I building my teams from now on right because he saw the success that team had and and that goes again that goes to the greatness of him doing you know what I'm going to bring this guy in Vic and see what we can do with him and look you know and and that's another thing I wish that would have played out a little longer and and you're right I should take that back the luck part that that took a lot of that was no luck in him bringing in Michael Vic I the the way I looked at the luck part was I felt when you saw Vic, like you said, running that wild cat, I felt like Vic didn't have it. Because I always knew to me, Vic was not, yeah. he didn't, from the neck up, he didn't care. I thought he didn't have the ability to care. He didn't care. He admits that. He didn't care. And I, you could see that in Atlanta. You could see how he was playing. And the fact that he had been out the game for a while, I thought he he's probably a career backup. He's not going to have it. And to me, to, to see that he really had it, he still had the juice. He still could run. He wasn't as fast as he was in Atlanta, but still not as fast as Atlanta Vic was still was amazingly fast. Faster than a lot of guys. Yeah. And I didn't believe that. I thought, you know, I mean, dude did time. He's in jail. He, yeah. he, that rust is too thick even. And that's where I was like, wow, I didn't know Michael Vick had MVP candidate ability in him still. And that was Vic's best year. Absolutely. His whole career. And he admits that, you know, I've seen him do interviews and say that was it's all around best year and for him as for Andy Reid as a coach dare me to bring that Michael Vick out says a lot to me yeah um never ran away from con and that's the thing I I feel like a lot of other coaches have done that in on all sports but they get the controversial athlete but there's something to it where it's like they just getting them to win yes. you know where there's a Jerry Jones had did it done as an owner Al Davis Jimmy Johnson and the different guys I'm like you, you bring them in to win yeah, Andy. It didn't seem that way. Never. I never looked at. Obviously, he wants you to contribute to the team, but I never felt that way. I felt it wasn't about making a splash or getting attention. It was just, I think this guy, the, our locker room, can handle. I think our organization, I think myself, can help this guy. Yeah, and I think also what Andy was going through personally. Right. You know, with, with his with his sons and stuff. I think that also played a part in it, too. It definitely did. Because um, he knew the value of what a second chance was. And that's why, for me, that's why it was easy for him to do that for Michael Vick. And he talked about it. We talked about it in the press conference. You know, that you know everybody deserves a second chance, man. And, and, and Vick did. And he made it. Kudos to Vick. He took that second chance, man. And he ran with it. And not only professionally, but off the field as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. You know, he, he's done a great job. And he's turned his whole life around you know and I think that yeah it has to the things that affect us personally come into play mm-hmm. and professionally and, and and we see it where I, I read uh, ESPN a few months ago had a, a great like oral history on Andy Reid and a lot of former coaches and players and people from way back in the day even his wife's and it was really great article well done and I remember John Harbaugh who I think we only we mentioned yeah a great coach who Forgot about John Harbaugh. you know uh special teams coach yes. and Went on to get hired and win a Super Bowl and, and you know, 
maybe the right as of right now the best of the Andy Reid coaching trees. Yeah. What John Harbaugh's done, yes, and kind of has a similar background with Andy, where he's a special teams coach, and people wonder why you're bringing him in. But John Harbaugh said when he would go into Andy Reid's office in Philly, you would see this little note card, but it's on Andy's desk, and it said two words: "Don't judge." Yeah. And I think that's huge that Andy didn't judge. He still to this day doesn't judge. He's not. He he's gonna see who you are. Tyron Matthew even in KC and then yeah. Don't judge. That's the second. That's another big comeback story as well. Yeah. You know, and we'll we'll def- again we'll get into the KC stuff. Um, obviously, as Eagles fans, we're gonna dive into a little more when it comes to the Eagles. But, but it's, it's also just a big part of that. Yeah. His legacy. Yeah. His history because. He left here not beloved and nationally more respected, mm-hmm. but people kind of that, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. From a lot of the stuff he did in Philadelphia, which looking back was a great ride in Philly, but didn't get appreciated, I felt. Yeah, and, and the more we're talking, um, this is going to bring back another low for me at, around this time in Andy's era. And a lot that doesn't get talked about either was the thing with David, him and David Akers, when Akers missed those field goals against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I, and he kind of – he didn't blame Akers, but he blamed them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, uh, and obviously David Akers was a great kicker, very consistent for the Eagles for a long time. You know, won him a lot of games. And, you know, David Akers lost a kid. And, you know, a lot of people were saying to Andy, wow, like how can you throw him under the bus like that? You know, after this situation, he's missed a couple of field goals. Of course, probably his head was not in the game. But, and that was the one of the first times I've ever seen Andy Reid kind of throw a player under the bus. One of the first and only. He yeah, did, he didn't do it, but he did do it. You're right. He did. He did it there. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the next season. I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I just, I know I'm going to forget that if I don't talk. No, about no. That. But no, but that just to wrap that year up. I mean, you know, that again, that was one of my favorite teams. Um, Offensively, man, they were they were lights out. You know, the Vicks and McCoys and, and Deshaun Jackson, Macklin. People forget about Macklin a lot. You know, even I mean with the KC too. Mm-hmm. You know, so no, but Andy Andy did a great job that year for sure. And then it, it fell off. Yep. And I think um, the dream team season and twenty twelve, his last two in Philly are are huge for a lot of ways for Andy Reid's legacy and what I think he learned from and got better at in Kansas City, but also off the field. I think it defined him, yeah. obviously, and yeah. and to me, um, it defines also sometimes it's rare, but it's the exception, but the rule is, some you know, timing's everything, and yeah. I remember Phil Jackson says, he said he heard it from his father, who was a pastor, Phil Jackson, the great NBA coach, that you don't want to stay someplace longer than seven years because then your voice, like your message kind of gets lost. And yeah. Your voice, the people get tired of it. And I truly believe, Jose, that was the case in Philly. Yes. I think in such a tough media market, he went through so many things that I can say really weren't brought on. I think a lot of stuff happened. If he was playing in a small market, you wouldn't have heard about because it's Philly that kind of wore him down. Mm-hmm. And you saw mistakes. You saw cracks in the, in the armor here. Yeah, and... I didn't want Andy Reid to go, but I understood that he had to go. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was weird. It was a weird feeling. And, like, I was very appreciative of what he did for the Eagles, definitely. And we talked about that earlier, like, turning this team around, turning the whole franchise around. But it, it was that time. And, and yeah. you had rumblings that he was losing the locker room. And, 
it's, it's it, it was best for both parties, I guess. It was. The Dream Team season had fallen apart. He And I think that was a message for, for me as a fan, I think for the Eagles, and I think for Andy Reid on the way to build a team and that definitely you have free agent acquisitions to help you. Like, free agency is an important part of the game. Yes. But when you bank on it and you're trying just to create this team from free agency, it is not the way. You have to build through the draft. Yeah, that ask, needs to be it. Ask the Redskins. Yes. Yes. <laughs> ask, the, ask the Redskins. Right. But, yeah, and that – and I think that that dream team season, and if, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, I mean, it was a year. It was 20, 2011. 2011. And, you know, the Eagles signed a bunch of free agents, Namdi. You know, they bring in Vince Young, mm-hmm. and he makes that stupid quote. Even when I heard it, I was like, ah, oh, dude, don't yep. do that. Yep. Like, it was, it was, you know, in mini camp, and he was calling the Eagles a dream team. They added a bunch of guys, and – you know, don't get me wrong. Some of those players were good players. I thought now I, I love that Namdi signing. I did too at the time. Yeah, you know, he was a great corner for the Raiders for a while there, and I was like, man, the Eagles needed us like a number one true corner, and it just didn't work out. No, you it know, was a bust. But, but you know, again, you just talked, you just touched on it, like for Andy to learn on how to build a team. I think the and the Eagles did too. You know, I think it, it that season worked out pretty well afterwards for both both sides. Yeah, it was a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a disappointing 2011, and 2012 was his final year. Yeah. And you knew kind of after how bad 2011 went that 2012 was going to be it for him. And I was like, yeah, he, you know, like you said, he's got to turn around. He's been the coach for forever here, but he got to turn around. And then he, he had the death of his son. Yeah, in August Yeah, that year. And that's where it kind of turned, I think, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. where even if you were Andy Reid hater, Definitely, your heart went out to him and his family. Yeah, and your heart kind of went to you were pulling for him. Even those guys who were like, "We're done. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of him not running the ball. Time management, the press conferences, all these things that are still part of his legacy." Your heart went out for him, and uh, I know mine did. Yeah, and took two days off and went right back to it. Yeah, I mean, for some people, they need to do that. Absolutely, you know, and that's fine too. I mean, however you're going to grieve is your thing. You know, who are we to judge and say how a person is to grieve? Me, personally, I don't know if I can do that. I might take more time off. But we talked about this on our last episode, you know, remembering Kobe, how we we saw Kobe from day one kind of mature and grow into it and was a part of our lives for a long time. Same thing with Reed for me. Same. You know, and... and it was. It was. I remember seeing his kids when they were young. Yeah. You know, on the field with him and stuff, and then seeing everything happen at the end. There, it, it was heartbreaking because we knew the struggles. It's not like this came out of the blue. No. You know, we knew the struggles for previous years with his son, and they were getting into trouble. And you know, if you don't know the story, you know, I mean, you can look it up, obviously. But you know, they had drug issues and things like that. And with both of us, you know, that hits home. Right. Just, you know, that's something we're passionate about, and and. You know, when, when you know August of 2012 came, it was, it was a surprise, but it, it wasn't. Yeah. Know, you know, not to. I mean, it was a sad day. You know, and we all. I mean, I know I felt for him, and you just talked yeah. about how you did too, and a lot of Eagles fans did. I mean, we're, you know, people with children and stuff like that, or not with children. You know, you don't want to see anyone lose a family member. You know, but. You know, he came back and he bounced back a couple of days after that. So. And and he he worked through it and. 
it was a tough injury plague year. The offensive line didn't have it. Vic yeah. was getting banged up, and they they went four and twelve. And I remember just thinking, and I can say if because you knew it was the end, and they got shellacked. His final game here at, at the at by at the new MetLife by the Giants. There was just a yeah. It, they they got whooped, and for those who don't know, it's Eagles post game live is to show a lot of us watch after an Eagles game. And I remember one of the saddest things, and I still remember thinking about this on Sunday when he finally got the ring, is he came in getting maligned, and one of the saddest things was he got on this like like golf cart with his family, and you knew the you knew he was going to get fired, and like his wife were there was on it, and his other kids, and someone was driving it, and they like drove him away, but it's like, and you know they now Michael Barkan, the announcer on Post Game Live was there, it is. Was this the final for Andy Reid? I think, and it was just like sad. It just yeah. and you throw in what happened with his son, and you see his family with him. It was a sad ending, and it it, it was not. It's appreciated now. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if it's. To, I'll be honest, Jose. I don't think it's as appreciated as it should be, by even Philadelphia fans or people outside. But it 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 was a hell of a run. Yes, and 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 I agree. I don't think it is, if I'm being honest as well, and. Because you'll you'll see on you know on social media or wherever, you know when people bring up Andy Reid, all oh, the time management, you know how many timeouts do we have, or you know things like that. Like he literally turned his franchise around. I mean those early years of ninety seven, ninety eight years, they were shit, and, mm-hmm. you know. And he came in and put it, and it was you know he put his fingerprint in it, and, and and he definitely turned them around and left them way better even though they had a rough year but he left them way better than when he got them right you know and that's that's that says a lot and it was something you know we now we transition to kansas city yeah and we look at it and it's been interesting because casey's a small market you know and i think it's perfect for him i think absolutely so it doesn't get the attention a lot of times nationally even though there's a very great Fan base in the Midwest. Yes, that's on my bucket list to go to Arrowhead. Same here. Yeah, we should do that. We should, we should do that. Actually, I, I want to go to watch a game in Arrowhead. And they have, I already have great barbecues. Oh, of course, <laughs> I'm a bar. That's my food. I'm, I, oh yeah, KC barbecue all day. But I look at it. We forget how bad that. What the controversy that franchise had too. Yeah. On the field, but really off the field. Really off the field, and that you know they had. To fire Scott Pioli, they had the Patriot and Romeo Crennel, mm-hmm. and in that 2012 year, and I know it's touchy to talk about, but the Jevion Belcher, yeah, and and that was right at the Chiefs' facilities in front of Crennel, and yeah. and just he, that doesn't get talked about no, at all. No, I, it gets, but I forgot. I'll be honest, I forgot that that's when he came in right after yeah. that. I didn't think it was. I knew he wasn't long after that. I would thought it was like Todd Haley or something. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that was right before. Yeah, 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he gets the job there. And, you know, I mean, in the midst of all that controversial stuff going on, I mean, I, I felt like it was a good fit for Andy. I think he needed a small market city so he can kind of just sit down and, and do his own thing. I mean, because even here in, in Philly, you know, with, when it comes to the media and stuff like that, like I think he had a good control of that. You know, and but I had a feeling when he got into Kansas City that was going to be a lot easier transition for him, a lot smoother transition from not only for him but his family as well. Yeah, and it's also a difference where John Dorsey at the time is the GM, so then he's not. They work together, mm-hmm. and they're both answering to the Hunt family, but he's not. You know, in Philly, he was it. He was yeah. yeah. 
you know, coach and personnel. Which is a lot to do. It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've heard Bill Parcells say it. Like, it's, it's a lot for one guy to have all that power. Yeah. Say, you know? So I think that's also huge for him, too. Yeah. He can stick just to the X's and O's that, yep. as his primary um, you know, responsibility. Mm-hmm. And you see the guys, we talked about it. You know, he brought in Alex Smith. Yeah. They had some talent. Eric Berry was there. Yeah. You know, but the, you, you look at, he, he brings over Macklin. And still the state, like you said, talk about Tyron Matthew, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt. Guys who would have been higher picks, but people said don't take a chance on them. Yep. And Andy did. And I know John Dorsey has a reputation, too. Yeah, he's a good GM. Yeah. But Andy still... Like John Harbaugh said, don't judge. Mm-hmm. Got to know him, brought those guys in. Huge. Bringing in Alex Smith, who everyone thought was done. Yeah, they thought he was a bust. And, I mean, he had a decent year in San Francisco that those last years with, with, with Harbaugh. But, you know, he brought him in. And, he, again, we talked about it earlier in the podcast. He was the perfect fit for Andy's offense. Yeah. You know, uh, didn't throw interceptions. You know, he was pretty athletic. You know, he can move. I mean, obviously he can move with his legs if, he has, if he's athletic. But, you know, but they were a dink and dunk offense that year. Right. You know, and and I used to call Alex Smith the checkdown king because it was it was all running backs and tight ends. You know, and but that eventually changed. You know, and and then what happened was, man, he, he Alex Smith had a really good year. It was a couple years in Kansas City. You yeah. Know? Especially the last year. I mean, he had numbers comparable to Mahomes. You know, this Mahomes this year. If you look at Alex Smith last year with Andy, same numbers almost Mahomes put up this yeah. year. You know, I mean, mind you, Mahomes missed a couple games, but. It, it was it, it was it, it was impressive what he did with Alex Smith. Yeah, it was just like we talked about with Vic, how he changed Vic's career around. You know, he he's done that. He's done that with a couple of guys, and that's huge. You know, to look at it, I think I will put him up there with Bill Walsh and with Mike Holmgren. As I I and you know I say back in the day, he's he's a QB whisperer. Andy Reid's a QB. With, I I think as far as Evaluating and developing quarterbacks, he, he's an all-timer. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because even when he was in Green Bay, well, I mean, I'm just jump back real quick, Jeremy. And um, the '97 year, that '96, well, the end of '96, that's when Mariucci got the 49ers job. He wanted to bring Andy yes. Reid on. Yes, he did. And Holmgren put he a stop nope. to that. Yep. He so said he took no. he took Morningway with him, which was he was on the staff with Green Bay as well, but. That and that quietly says a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if Holmgren thought, you know, he would have rather kept Morningway had more experience as a coordinator, you know, but he kept reading. He knew what he there's was doing. There's something. Yeah. There's something to that. And you look at it to the go two and fourteen. Yeah. And to have that awful tragedy that that happened, you know, with with Belcher and and, and all that right at to Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Um, to go eleven and five with that bunch. And now, well, there was talent there. There was. You had Jamal Charles, who people forget about him yeah. for a while. Especially if you're a fancy football owner, you can't forget about him. No, he, definitely he was, not. He was up there for a while. And Dwayne Bowe. Dwayne Bowe. They had some good pieces, but they were 2-14. and 14. Yeah. And that shows a lot of times, you know, whether it's, in, it's they mirror each other, whether it's in Philly or Kansas City. Yes, you have pieces there, but don't that doesn't damage or lessen what someone comes in and does because mm-hmm. we weren't seeing those results before. We weren't seeing, like, oh, okay, like, you know, we saw a little bit with Todd Haley. That's like a little bit with Ray Rose for, like, a season, and then it was disaster. Yeah. And it was a disastrous 2-14. and 14. Yep. And you bring in 
not just hot shots. Alex Smith, <laughs> who we all know, he doesn't have an arm. He's been called one of the worst first picks ever. Yep. But you go 11 and 5 that first year, win the division. Yep. And it's been nothing but winning seasons <laughs> yes. for Andy yes. ever since. Yeah, he's he literally. He's, and he's made that franchise into one of the hot franchises to go to. You see a lot of free agents go there now. Frank Clark, Matthews. Yeah. You know, like guys want to go to Kansas City and play. You know, and that's kudos to, to Andy. Let's know? be, you know, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Always, to me, a good tight end. Arguably the best. I mean, you look, I think, of this decade behind Gronk. Gronk, of course, is the best of the decade. Yes. But then number two, you got to look at, to me, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Big part of that. In my opinion, goes to Andy Reid, a former tight ends coach. Yep. And use and Andy Reid loved working. I know as a West Coast offense staple, loved using the the tight end. And Travis Kelsey has been an amazing tight end for him. And that's been Andy's one of Andy's calling cards too. You know the O line, D line, tight end play. Yeah. You know he had from Chad Lewis to Selig. You know, so, I mean, he, he knows what he's doing when it comes to the tight end. And you just see it. It's 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 not giving into your values of what you believe, but it's tweaking it. Yep. It's that combination. It's like, hey, I've learned this. I see this is right. But there's – so you don't give in your values, but you adjust. Mm-hmm. You learn and you grow, and he's been amazing at that. And we don't think of that because time management and yeah. blah, 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 and all this stuff. But the Chiefs have been this consistent force in the AFC and the AFC West for this decade, and that's – a big part really doing the Andy hiring Andy Reid. It started with that. Yeah, and, and Kansas City was very like a very inconsistent franchise. Right. You know, from even in the nineties, you know, I remember growing up with the Marty Schottenheimers, they were always a pretty good team. But they can never make that always never make that next step, you know. And even from like the Priest Holmes years. Yeah. You know, they were always like a decent team, but they can never make that step, you know, get over that hump, whatever you want however you want to say it. And you know, when they bring Andy in, obviously it's been a lot of success. A lot like, of success. A lot of success. And to me, I uh, a low, I will say that the, the low for me was that, that wild card loss a couple seasons ago to the Titans. Yeah. That was a low that Andy had. And that's honestly, Jose, for me, when I was like, as much as I, we were talking about how much we love him, where I was like, I don't know, man, if Andy – is Andy cursed? It was people said that about last year's championship game loss to the Patriots. I didn't feel that there. I still felt like I felt hope when I saw that game. Even though they should have won it. But I'm like, all right, if he can tweak this defense, get this defense a little bit better, they're okay. But that Titans loss to I mean Mariota, who we know what uh, he is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and just had the lead and blew it. And that's when you started hearing the time management and the play calling critiques really come out a lot in Kansas City was after that loss, in my opinion. For me, was 2014 when he lost to the Colts. Okay. They were up by 28 points. Yeah. You know, the Colts made this comeback. They went 45-44. And that was like, wow. Like I, Right there I said he's he's never going to win the Super Bowl. See, that you're right because that, that was, you say, Andrew Luck's really – Yeah. Big time. He'd been playing great, but that was a come-out party for Andrew Luck in that game. And you're right, that 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 is a tough loss. But I also looked at it, though, and we, we gave Alex Smith praise, but I was like, yeah, Alex Smith. Yeah. And I'm like, there's little you can do with him, I felt. I felt like he's good, but you can only go with so far. Doesn't excuse choking no, like you did. No, not at all. And Alex Smith didn't play defense either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But I, I, I think that's a great that's a great game too to look at. I, I look at that that Titans loss. Yeah. Um, Especially looking back, what Mariota turned out to be, and it's like, how can you lose to that guy? Right. And then the one fluke play where the ball gets batted and Mariota catches it and runs it in. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's what I'm like. Maybe God does not want Andy to get this Super Bowl title. You know. But it's it's been a lot, you know. Talk about drafting on the O line, getting bringing in Eric Fisher, Fisher, yeah, and, and and slowly building that line with not a lot of flashy guys, but no. one of been one of the best offensive lines, which I think he did in Philadelphia too. Yeah, he definitely had a great O line here in, with the Eagles, and and obviously now Kansas City. I mean, but I mean, because we talked about that McNabb in '99. I mean, I'm I'm going to keep jumping back and forth, but that's what we do here. Yeah, right? it connects. And um, you know, '99 he drafts McNabb, but the first real move was bringing in John Runyon. You know, I mean, we had Trey Thomas here at left tackle, which was, he was a really good left tackle for years. But that solidified that offensive line. Yeah. You know, those bookend tackles, man. And, and then that was his first move, too, with Kansas City. Like, not first move, but that was what he started to do with that offensive line. That right. left tackle was a premier, obviously premier and position. They weren't names. No. Runyon wasn't a name no. until he came. And really, Runyon got the name. From arguing with Strahan, I don't think people would have talked. People didn't talk about right tackles. Nope. You know, you, you had first it was uh, was it Bubba Miller, I believe, is the center, and then you bring in yes. Hank Fraley. <laughs> Hank, Hank Fraley. Hank Fraley came in serviceable for a long time. Yes, he was. Jermaine, I, I love Jermaine Mayberry. Sean Andrews, I love Sean Andrews. That might be, and I know we're jumping back, but as far as a Philly, what if? Yeah. He's up there to me. He was the best guard. In football. Yeah, for about two years there. And, and then he had a lot of stuff personally going on with him. Michael but Phelps song and all that. He, he is one of the biggest what-ifs for the Eagles. Honestly, I want to say for me in the Andy Reid time, outside of the T.O. saga, I think what if we would have had Sean Andrews? Four years because he was young. And it, and it was by, by year three I felt like he was the best. I never forget when we had, it was an A.J., we played the Patriots Sunday Night Football, McNabb's out. I believe Garcia might have been out even still. That was a fun year too. Yeah, and well, I make sure it might have been 07. but we were oh six oh six was the Garcia right so 07, but we played the Patriots and almost took it to the Patriots. That was their undefeated. It was 07. That was their undefeated yeah. season. And Belichick said that's the best O lineman we faced all year. Yeah, was Sean Andrews. Yeah, he was dominant. And he was great, man. He's dominant and you know again we never know what guys go through. No, you know so. And a lot of people clown him, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Like, and I mean, he talked about it openly, which I respect even more, too. You know, but he struggled off the field. I mean, but again, you know, he was a great player. Yeah, but you you see what Andy had to keep doing, and he really did develop and adjust this offense. And he saw – he's quoted as saying he was watching the college game, and he saw it. Now we're hearing it all the time. The college game is so yeah. advanced, and they're way ahead of the NFL – Andy saw it earlier in this decade. Yes. And yes. he brought it into KC and really let it go. And I and we talked about it with that 2010 team, and he I think he was starting to see it at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, adding all that speed in those positions, like in those positions, certain positions, like the wide receiver, running back, tight end. Now, you know, like he he started to do that then. You know, again, that's why I always say, man, I, I wish he could have saw that all the way through. Yeah. I mean, but again, that was uh, due to his own making this itself but you know but now in Kansas City he's got that track team with with Mahomes and it's it's obviously paying off right you know and kudos and with chances I mean I I love people forget about it for that little run Kareem Hunt was a top five running back yeah 
And now you, you get burned at these times too. We see it yes. with Terrell Owens. And you can even see it with here with Kareem Hunt. Yes. You get burned. And that's part of life. You take chances on people, you're going to get burned. And I believe if Kareem Hunt plays, they beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, because he, he he's a good player. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, people talk about Alex Smith and Alex Smith, but, you know, Kareem Hunt was a huge part of that, huge right. part of that season. And, yeah, they had a good chance against the Patriots for sure. I thought they – so – the key was, though, taking Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Which, to me, was kind of – it, it, you know, history is funny that way because now it's like, of course, why didn't they – why didn't the Bears take him? Yeah. And why didn't the Niners take him? And why didn't this team take him? It wasn't that kind of a high-profile, no. like, pick when he – and, in fact, people were like, oh, that's a little early for this guy. Yeah, they moved up to take yeah. him, and people were questioning that pick. Right. You know, not that it was, excuse me, a bad pick, but at that point in the draft, people weren't sure if Mahomes should go that high. But Andy talked about it. Andy Reid talked about it, man, with his workouts. He's like, this kid can make every throw. You know, I mean, the evaluations on Mahomes, you know, he got a cannon arm. You know, he can move a little bit. But he just he reminded Andy Reid of Brett Favre, you yeah. know, with that, that kind of ability. And obviously it's paying out. And no one was talking about him going that high. People no. weren't. So it's funny now. It's like it's, that's why it's why we like doing this podcast because it's always oh why how could you have missed this or why didn't you do that? But no, people weren't like oh that's the best pick of the draft in Mahomes and this guy. It was well he's got a can for an arm, but who did he play against in college? His competition and the offense. Yeah, you know, and people weren't even high on on Watson that year. You no. know, they, when they took when. When Houston moved up and took Watson, they were, you know, red flags being thrown mm-hmm. up there, saying, you know, that's pretty high for Watson as well. But again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, and nah, you heard you heard the Sean Kaiser yeah. more. You heard all these <laughs> other guys, but that's kudos to to Andy. One of having that evaluating and also not caring people think if this is our guy, we're going to go and get him. Yeah. And you know, Andy got shellacked. Like we're going to connect it. It's funny. Brandon Graham. Yep. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. But, you know, it's the truth, though. Yeah. Pierre Paul, Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. I wanted Earl Thomas. And I wanted Earl Thomas, too. But who got the sack yep. in 2017, that Super Bowl, for us? It was an Andy pick that many people used as a negative against his draft status. Yeah. Brandon he's, Graham. He's been very consistent. Yeah. He's a Michigan guy, too. That's but, right. I had to throw that in there. But, um... Yeah, it's a great. I have a I have a meme as is Brandon Graham with his arms across and it goes, "Who still wants Earl Thomas?" You know, yeah, yeah. you know. But is I mean, at the time it was very because you know they didn't think Graham was going that high, and and he picked him, man. And, and and Graham has been very consistent. He hasn't been, you know, superstar defensive end, but he's been very very consistent. Right. So and that's what you want, right? I guess you know you want a superstar, but if he's not going to be a superstar, you want somebody who's going to be solid for eight or nine years. So we have to give credit because we've seen teams, we've seen coaches do it. You know, right now we're we're getting through it. But I thought honestly, I look at starting in Philadelphia. I was wondering if Doug Peterson was going to be that guy. Now they have been limping into the playoffs the two years post winning the Super Bowl. But I was thinking, are we a one year kind of guy? John Gruden came in. Kudos in '02 got Tampa over the hump. But you saw what he did to Tampa afterwards. Yeah, it was ugly. Yeah. It was ugly football. So it's credit to 
He did it in Philly, doing it in Kansas City. To keep coming back year after year, and you're a consistent stalwart in the NFL, that's hard to do. Yeah, and that to me, what he, the Super Bowl was huge for him, right? Obviously, but to me, it cements him as one of the best coaches of all yeah. time. You yeah, know? and I think uh, I think that's the transition into. I think so. The our you know Jose's going to break out his his tears. Uh oh. His all time coach. We we have to submit now, people. And he's still coaching, so this could go higher in the future. We can look back in a couple of years. Me and Jose will be like, oh, Andy's bumped up. We don't know. I mean, I think he has a chance to do it, but this is where we're at right now, February 9th, twenty twenty. Andy's in counting. So, and and I, it's funny. I put next to his name an arrow up, right? Because <laughs> he's not done. You know what I mean? And and but for me, and you you touched on it a little bit, like his legacy and. You know the whisper, the quarterback whisper and stuff. But for me, I have three tiers. Okay. Right? So I think I have about thirty coaches here. So I guess ten. Well, it's not ten for the first tier, but for the most part, it's about ten a tier. And then we, you know, I want to discuss it because we, what we talked about off the air with this show, uh, we wanted to see where he fit in in all these tiers. You know, he's got a lot of wins, about the two hundred and seven wins overall. You know, he, we talked about the consistency. We talked about him turning franchises around. So, but for me, he doesn't make tier one. Okay. You know, he's got the Super Bowl win, yes, but he doesn't make my tier one. But again, when it's all said and done, he may be up there. But my tier one, about nine guys. You know, so I'm going to start, and this is not in order. This mm-hmm. just I'm just throwing them on there. I got Bill Walsh. Okay. Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Don Shula. Mm-hmm. I got Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. Paul Brown, mm-hmm. Tom Landry, mm-hmm. George Hallis, mm-hmm. Chuck Noll, mm-hmm. and Curly Lambeau. Okay. Those are my guys. Well, I, I, I like that. That's not a bad Curly Lambeau ad. It's good. I like that. So, again, there's a couple of guys in this Tier 2 who are very fringe Tier 1 guys. But I just felt like to be in Tier 1... And I and I thought about like Sid Luckman, I mean, excuse me, Sid, Sid Gilman up there just for the innovation. But he doesn't have the wins, Super Bowls, you know. So for me to be a tier one guy, you got to have Super Bowl wins, you know. But you had to make a big impact on the game. So you got one guy missing for me on tier one. Okay. Uh, Joe Gibbs, and that's one of my guys who's fringe. I, I put him up there. Yeah? I put Joe Talk Gibbs up there. Talk about it. Talk to me about it. Uh, Joe Gibbs has to be up there for his innovation. People don't talk about that. Look at QB, and I didn't say him as a QB whisperer. Three Super Bowl wins, three different quarterbacks. The way the offensive line of football is, yes, is due to Joe Gibbs. Yes, with the Hogs, definitely. Yeah, what we see now, and giving that extra help, and giving, you know, what he had to do to game plan against facing a Lawrence Taylor in the 80s, Twice a year, the H back, how he used that. That's a Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs is that innovator that a lot of things we see now in the game. Uh, Joe Gibbs is a big part of the modern tight end. Yes, with Kellen Winslow mm-hmm. when he was an assistant in the Chargers, uh, and he continued that in Washington. A lot of things that we don't think about, but Joe Gibbs had a big impact on, especially offensive football. And you hear a lot of those contemporaries in the '80s of a Parcells or a Walsh. The toughest coach they went against was Joe Gibbs, mm-hmm. and I think the, I think the hardest thing. No one has done that. When you see people who won Super Bowls, same quarterback, 
Yeah. Joe to do it with three different ones, three complete different styles of offense. Joe Gibbs makes that tier one for me. Okay, and then I was thinking when I made this when I made this list, if he had that one, you know, if he had that great quarterback this whole his whole tenure, how many Super Bowls were there won? You know, yeah, you know, because none of those guys are great. No, no, none of those guys are great. But I agree with that. He for me he was fringe, but I, I can see the argument. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I hear you. I hear you. So these are my tier two guys. Again, up for debate. That's what we're here for. I got Andy Reid, mm-hmm. Bill Parcells, mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson, Tony Dungy, Marv Levy, Joe Gibbs, Bud Grant, Mike Holmgren, Bill Cowher, John Madden. Yeah. These are my guys who, some of these, I would say the Andy Reid, definitely the Joe Gibbs we just talked about. Uh, Parcells was fringe for me, tier one. Um, and if Jimmy Johnson would have, Coached longer, he would have definitely been tier one for me. Could yeah, but um, again, go. <laughs> I I look at Dungy and Cower as lower tiered. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I look at them as lower tiered, and I'm not saying to take away Hall of Fame from those guys at all. But I I look at at them as they had they had a you know good run, but. Lower lower tier guys. Okay. Uh, I like Marv Levy on there. I think the Bills are now getting that recognition that they deserve. Yeah. Of how hard it is to go to the Super Bowl four years in a row, and that was an incredible run by them. So I like Marv Levy and Bud Grant on there as well. Uh, I like the Mike Holmgren ad. That's good. And yeah. John Madden to me is up there as well. Uh, Parcells is a tier two guy in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I put Gibbs at one for me. Okay. But I think Parcells is a tier two guy. And I think, honestly, the only tier two guy I would not put Andy Reid over yet is a Bill Parcells. Okay. I think Bill Part. I think so. Andy Reid's like right outside the top 10 all time, in my opinion. But I put Andy Reid even over Mike Holmgren. And Mike Holmgren is impressive. Because we forget what he did in Seattle yeah. with the Seahawks and mm-hmm. turning that franchise around and developing Matt Hasselback and Alexander and with Walter Jones and Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah he made it. They had a good old line. Yeah, yeah, so they got and really kind of got robbed in that Super Bowl with a lot of calls. Yeah. I mean, it's one reason why I take Bill Cowher out of tier tier two. Okay. Uh, Jimmy John, I put Andy over Jimmy Johnson. I do too. Because of what of longevity and doing it in multiple places, but what Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson's imprint on the NFL, on football in general, mm-hmm. yes, you can't. That's why I thought it was a travesty that he was in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Uh, I'm glad he's finally getting his due. But when I saw um, that one weekend when you had Saturday Bill Cower gets in and then Sunday Jimmy Johnson, I was like, this doesn't add up. Yeah, it should have been the opposite. Well, I felt like Bill Cower's a fringe guy. To me, there's an argument you can make of Bill Cower not being in there. I wouldn't knock it. And this is someone who's a fan of Cower as a person. I really did enjoy those 90s Steelers teams. They were fun to watch, hard-hitting. Yes. But, and you shouldn't take away what he did. He did go a lot. So I think Hall of Fame, yes. But someone said no. Yeah, I never looked at Bill Cowher as he's this great coach. Same with Tony Dungy. Even I think Dungy can go to the next tier. They, they're really good. Dungy has the importance of you know African American coach winning a Super Bowl, but and that's where I I was 
because X's and O's, I mean, I guess we can, they can definitely be separated by that as well. But with Bill Cowher and Tony Dungy, for me, it was more of, yes, they were good coaches, but it was like, man, they were great motivators of men as well. You know, so I just felt like guys like that got bumped over. Uh, we'll get into the next tier. But. but I look at Jimmy Johnson. You always hear as the argument that they make for judging the Hall of Fame. Can you write the history of this league and not mention them? Can you do that with Tony Dungy? Right. That's why I'll give. I think he's tier three, but him being a Hall of Famer, I think that's why I give him credit for that. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson, you cannot write the history of this league. He gave one of the great dynasties ever. Yeah. Changed the way we look at the league. People weren't trading draft, but now that's common ground. Yeah. Until Jimmy Johnson came around, that wasn't the norm. So that's why he's there. Andy Reid, this decade to me, has made it where you're not going to talk about the history of the game without Andy Reid. Yeah, and, so. Jim, and Jimmy Johnson for me was another tough one. Not to put in the tier one category, it's just the, lo- the longevity. I right. couldn't do it. You know, I right. think that means something too. It does. You know what I mean? And even Bill Walsh. He doesn't have that longevity as some of these other guys, but his imprint on the game, second to none. Yeah, you see it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so this is my tier three. Okay. And I have I got one guy on here that I think you might not agree with. I, I as soon as I wrote him down, I was like, yeah, he's going to give me some on that. All right, so I'll go down this list. This is a little longer list because I just felt like it was a lot more coaches that fit in this okay. tier. Um, so again, the Sid Gilmans, George Allen's. I'm saying the plural. I don't know why. <laughs> Sean Payton. I'm not even his biggest fan, but uh, he belongs up here. Hank Strand. Yeah. Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. George Seifert. Mike Tomlin. Marty Schottenheimer. Dan Reeves. Tom Coughlin was the guy. I I had a feeling you were going to give me some shit about. <laughs> Mike Shanahan. And Vermeil. Uh, I'll, I'll give you shit about Shanahan. I'll give you shit. George Seifert, I'll give you shit about. Okay. Uh, Sean Payton and Pete Carroll, I think those are nice ads. I think Tom Flores should be on there. I, I and <laughs> just out of respect that he's Hispanic, I was going to put him on here, but I, didn't. I think Tom Flores should be on there. I think Hank Stram can maybe even be argued for tier two. I agree. I for agree what that. he did in a lot of ways, Hank Stram, I I like to me if I'm looking at Dungy, Stram. Or a cower, I put Hank Stram over over those guys. Okay, uh, I like Sid Gilman at. I really do. Uh, I I think George Seifert I don't like because of Carolina was a disaster for him. True. And I look at the '89 Super Bowl. That was a that was Bill Walsh's. Yeah, I could have coached those. Guys. Yeah, I think you just roll them out. They did win '94. I think a big part of the problem was that they got out coached and out maneuvered by Dallas. And why they were losing to Dallas in 92-93 was George Seifert wasn't on Jimmy Johnson's level. And I think it can be argued that if Jimmy Johnson and Jerry get it together, I don't know if George Seifert wins another one. Hmm. So that's why I'm not a George Seifert guy. Pete Carroll uh, is interesting with the two Super Bowl appearances. Sean Payton is different. He's weird. Yeah, because he his some of his teams underachieved. You know, a lot of them have been. Yeah, they've been favorites in these past couple of years and and underachieved. So he was bottom tier three for me. He yeah, I might give Pete Carroll over Sean Payton only because Sean Payton Super Bowl win was great. The only way I can see a fight for him is that as long as well with Andy part of using 
the speed, kind of fast, go that up-tempo offense we saw. So that's why I can say maybe you want to argue. But Sean Payton had a while there with uh, with Drew Brees, too, where they were missing the playoff after that Super Bowl win, not really winning. The past few seasons, they've been a winning team, but like you said, underachieving in my opinion. But uh, Sean Payton's history and Pete Carroll's history, too. Yeah, I would take Pete Carroll over Sean Payton. Yeah. I just feel like long and whole body of work, Pete Carroll has done more. Right. You know, because even, even those years in, in, in New England, before Belichick got there, he had them, he was playing, they were playing well. You know, he had a good team there. He was building something there. And then... He, but then I was thinking Sean Payne, even when he was a coordinator, he was like, man, he was like really good. But this is head coaches. I get that. But I don't know. I just, I, I felt like he belonged on the, the Reeves and Schottenheimer are interesting. I love Marty Schottenheimer. I don't know. I just think. He, as, I, as a coach? As a coach, yeah. See, I love him as a guy as a, and as a motivator. Yes. As a coach, I, I wonder. Okay. I do. I mean, I guess mine too is more of the guy. That's like, what I'm thinking. More yeah. of the motivation. Yeah. There's good rah rah speeches and yeah, because he, you know, he, he should have won a couple there too. You know, to me, the one I, I mean, there's so many with him. Yeah, because he's had some good teams. But I look at honestly, the one that really got me was in in 2006 with San Diego. Yeah, the, they were 14 and two, and he was the coach of that team, and yep. they were better. Than, they had the Patriots. They should have beat the Patriots. That and year. I think they beat the Colts the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where it's slipped through. That that's one jumps out to me, but um But he's another guy who's been consistent where true, he's gone. True. Even Cleveland, KC. I mean he made those teams matter. I think I think he's right to be in there. Exactly. I think there's just other guys who are also in there who I'm like I look at as don't get talked about enough and should get way more attention. Dan Reeves, I don't think I'm not a Dan Reeves guy. I just I, I just had to fill the the tier. I guess I, I get you, <laughs> Dan Reeves. though. Tom Coughlin. Like I like Tom Coughlin over both of those guys. I do too. I love Dick Vermeil over all three over Coughlin, Schottenheimer, and a Reeves. I think Dick Vermeil should be in the Hall of Fame, and I think Schottenheimer is tough because uh, like he has the career wins, he has all that, but he just. He doesn't have the postseason yeah, success, yeah. and to me, for a coach, that's huge. I think if if, if will we even be saying if he just would have gotten to a bowl and lost, even with yeah. that, I think just the fact that he just didn't even get to the bowl, and he should have with a couple of those teams, those yeah. couple of you know the drive in Cleveland that they should have won that game. The I fumble, mean, the fumble, Ernest Bynes fumble. You know, and, and, he yeah. has those championship games, and then he went with Kansas City to a few championship games, and mm-hmm. it just didn't work out, and. It was the Chargers. I mean, he had that one year in Washington that wasn't great, but with yeah. the Chargers, uh, a lot of people, and that's why I, I think bothered me, were comparing Andy. You heard Ryan Clark compared Andy to Bill Cowher, and I'm like, wrong. No, no. And Andy to Marty Schottenheimer, wrong. Yeah. Like, it, it's not the same comparison. And I'm glad he got that one just so, like, I think now you can put it to bed. Like, yeah. he's in a different tier than those guys. Okay. Yeah, so, all right, so you're knocking off a couple of guys just off the list in general. The oh, George Seifert yeah. off the list. George is off. Dan Reeves off the list. What Shanahan's off mine. Mike Shanahan? I think Mike Shanahan's off mine. Okay. Now, is this due to, you know, what happened with the Raiders and what happened with the Redskins? or For Shanahan? Yes. 
for definitely the Redskins, for definitely his post-Elway Terrell Davis run in Denver, I thought was unimpressive. Okay. I didn't like what he did there. I thought he had uh, lightning in a bottle with that great squad there. And then after that, he, he didn't get any from Shanahan. And to me, got nothing from him in Washington either. And to me, honestly, was deplorable in Washington with the way he handled he, McNabb, Haynesworth, yeah, RG3. It, it wasn't great. Um, and I think it's tricky with, with quarterbacks, coaches, the Super Bowls jump out, but then it's like I, I don't think they should. And with some people, they, they should, and some people they shouldn't. Because, like, Tom Flores won two, and no one talks about him and what he did. And first wild card team to win the Super yeah. Bowls with those Raiders. I think it's just, I don't know. Like, to me, there's no way I can look at Mike Shanahan compare him to a Marv Levy. No, not no. I think yeah, that's why Levy for me was yeah. in tier two. Or and, or a Tom Coughlin. I respect uh, Tom Coughlin way more than I do Mike Shanahan. Yeah, I mean my thinking on this, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. I w- it was whole body, mm-hmm. you know, him as a coordinator with the 49ers, you know, and or what? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, and um, that zone scheme, that zone run scheme. I just think, you know, not that he created it or whatever but he his teams were synonymous for that you right know? and I just felt a lot of teams some of the teams are still doing it now I just felt like that bumped them into a tier I um, plus I just, two Super Bowls yeah I just felt like he, he rode the Elway Davis wave kudos to them they got the rings don't take it away from them yeah I mean but then when those guys when Elway retired and Davis the injuries pile up on them you don't have it anymore he didn't have an answer at quarterback he didn't have an answer and Denver, that was that was kind of like a rough patch for him. And then Washington, to me, was a rough patch even. The one year I liked him with RG3, that ended poorly that yeah. season. And then that ended... That relationship was yeah. like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I I just see it. Shanahan, to me, of all those guys, him and Seifert jump out as, like, okay. I think are really... Like, if they ever got into the Hall of Fame, I would really be like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I'd be like, this is wrong. Like... There's something to me when I, I Schottenheimer has no rings, no appearances. I get it more with him yeah. getting in the Hall of Fame than I do with those guys. Yeah, because for me, Schottenheimer, again, is just a level of consistency that we don't see from a lot of these coaches. Right. You know, he did it for years and years and years. What about a name I'm going to throw out there? It's on my list, but you haven't talked about him yet, Mike Tomlin. No. No? No. Okay. No. He's worse than the other guys. Okay. He's worse. No, no. I mean, have him if you want. No, no, no. So I'm going to no. pull up a list of other coaches. All right, and I'm going to read some names off to you. Okay. Let me pull this list up for you. That I don't have on this tier. One of the couple of the guys I, I was going to add, but. Okay. John Gruden. No. Okay. Uh, where am I at? <laughs> Jeff Fisher. No. Let me give you a couple more, but some of these guys. If you like eight and eight, Jeff Jeff Fisher and John Gruden are your guys. Sam Weish, I know you like Sam Weish. Um, no, doesn't need to be there, but definitely needs to be talked about more. Just in in the offenses that we see in today's game, needs to be discussed more. But I I do like Sam Weish. Okay, but not a Hall of Famer, not on not on any tier or anything. But okay. 
Jim Mora. Doesn't get enough credit, but not a, a, a motivator of men and also of turning around awful, fra- I mean, awful franchises. Like, yeah. You know, we don't think, we don't talk about that in New Orleans and in Indianapolis because remember, Indy, the Baltimore Colts had, Indy, there was not success before Jim Mora really got there. Yeah. And New Orleans had 20 years of garbage and to, to get the, uh, that linebacking core there with Sam Mills, Ricky Jackson, Vaughn Johnson, Pat Swilling, and to really build up that team and becoming a playoff team where they had 20 years of nothing. People And, you know, Jim Moore never won the playoff game. I get that. But doesn't get talked about that. Those, those are always the tough jobs to me. When there's no history there, Yeah, I give you credit for that. Yeah, because if you don't remember, and, again, that's what we do here in the Zone Podcast, we kind of bring everything back. Right. And, those Colts teams in the '90s were shit. They were especially a joke. early '90s. They were a joke. I'm in New England. Were a joke. The NFL laughing stock. And when he jumped on that, when he was coaching the Colts, they had, yeah, that, that turned around. I'm gonna give you two names. One name I should he should have been on my list. Now that I'm looking back, Don Coriel. Air Coriel is all, should be on uh, tier three. Some would argue tier two. But I wouldn't. I, 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 some may put him on tier two, but definitely at least tier three. Eric Coriel should be in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people yeah. are upset that he's not. Yeah, I mean, I guess his postseason record, looking at looking at it, three and six, doesn't scream at. They had some tough losses. Yeah, yeah. Mike Ditka. No. Yeah. I, I, I think um, if there's an overrated coach, and he's not <laughs> on any list, but Mike Ditka is the most overrated coach in history, and gets credit for I I don't know I I. To me, he, he's the only credit he should get for those Bears teams was that he, he was disciplined and he, he was no nonsense. He didn't fuck it up. <laughs> but really, I mean, it, it, you know, he had Walter Payton. He had that defense. He had the defense that was nothing with him. He didn't, the drafting was, you look at uh, Bill Tobin, like they, 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 yeah. the scouting was not him. He just was, he was a no nonsense, tough guy. But. Mike Ditka is a joke, and he is, of, of anything, the biggest reason why the Bears aren't a dynasty yes. is his fault. Yes, that's why he didn't make it my tier. Yeah. Because they had a couple good years after that, you know, and, but they would lose to, like, the Giants or the 49ers. And, uh, they lost to the Redskins two years in a row because yep. um, Joe Gibbs is a much better coach, really. You know, play just had weird, you know, playing with quarterbacks and – the flutie thing, dividing locker rooms. Yeah, that flutie thing was bizarre. Yeah, and and really, then you go to New Orleans, <laughs> and to me was one of the biggest jokes. Made one of the worst moves, the Ricky Williams '99 draft trade to the Redskins. Um, that just, was that was like Herschel Walker, but if it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what happened. Yeah, that's true. We should knock the Redskins because you got all those draft picks and did nothing with them. Yes. Uh, which also props to Jimmy Johnson that he did do something, but Ricky, I mean Mike Ditka is just a joke. I agree. Um, can't stand him. Enough said. Can't stand the guy. I'm gonna go old school here. I'll throw a couple more names out. Just about one or two more names. Weeby Eubank. Weeby Eubank is a tier two guy. Speak on that, cause I don't think so. Weeby Eubank won the the winner of arguably the two most important games in league history. The 58 championship game, first going to go to sudden death. 
uh, with Johnny Unitas handing off to Don Amici, the Colts, yeah. beating the Giants, which put football on the map and put football, I should say professional football. College football was big. Yeah, yeah. It was baseball and then college football as the sports. That put pro football on the map, going into overtime, the whole country's listening, and if you had TVs, we're watching. We Bank did that, won a championship with Baltimore, helped develop Johnny Unitas, arguably still a top five quarterback of all time, Yes. and building those great Colts teams. Then you go to the AFL. He goes with the first they were New York Titans and the New York Jets, brings in Broadway Joe. Joe Namath helps build that team up with Don Maynard, a Hall of Fame, you know, brings him in a Hall of Fame receiver. So many great players on that team. Builds the Jets, and they win arguably the most, you could argue which one, but the two most important games, Super Bowl three, defeating his former team, mm-hmm. and really, the, the I guess, more important was that because that caused the merger, the AFL-NFL yeah. merger. And Weeb Eubank was a big part of that. And I think just for what he did, winning multiple championships, two different places, not many people can say that, even to this day, yeah. that they've, you know, including the modern game, was winning or getting, even getting the two championships with two different franchises. There's like under 10 coaches who have done that. Yeah, that's not too many And guys, Weeb's yeah. a part of that. Mm-hmm. And to me, Weeb developed so many things of the modern game with the two-minute offense with John Unitas and what we saw Joe Namath under Weeb Eubank first quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards in a season yeah so I think Weeb Eubank should be a tier two guy tier two wow all right who would you knock out out of the tier two Dungy Cower Bill Bill C (laughs) Bill C I'm sorry Bill I love you it's all right it's all right we'll drop him down I I love you well Bill C but we could, we Eubank, what you cannot talk about the history of the NFL. Very you, true. You could have Weeb Eubank in there. Very true. That's my mistake for not adding them. No, no, it's hard. This is, this is hard. So I'll go one more coach Chuck Knox. Ground Chuck. <laughs> uh, very good coach. Yeah. But not, 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 not a tier guy. No. Nah. He's like honorable mention. Okay. Like, which is what we're kind of giving him, right? Yeah, now. yeah. That's all. All right. That's about it. But when we ask him, where do you put Andy? Right now he's tier two. So that's where would you say he's he's eleventh all time on your list? Oh. Nine, ten. Yeah, he's. He, I just can't bump him over any of these guys I have in tier one. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think so. Well, I would, because mm, you got Joe Gibbs too. Oh, see, Joe Gibbs is already in my mind. Yeah, you know? so I, I would say twelve. So who? So yeah. I would I would have yeah. I would have Joe Gibbs over him. I mean, if I'm going to rank them in order, yeah, that's tough. Um, I'm, that's tough. Well, just see. So you have a. I think Andy at twelve is right because we have those ten, and I think of the tier two guys. He's number one in the tier two guys, in my opinion. Well, I put him over. I put Parcells as number one over the tier two guys. Okay. You have, why? Why do you have Rio over Parcells right now? I just think. I mean, that's they're right neck and neck. You know, and then Parcells has the the extra Super Bowl win. But Parcells, that's a good point because Parcells turns franchises around too. You know, and he's a great evaluator of talent, just like Andy Reid is. And then you can't talk about the game without talking about Parcells. Yeah. You know, and and, and then he did the same thing with Andy too, with the coaches as well. Right. You know, he created a lot. Of, well, he didn't create, but he helped a lot of coordinators become head coaches and successful head coaches. Obviously, we got mm-hmm. Belichick and all those guys, but. Um, no, nah, I agree with that then, yeah. I, I would, out of the tier two, yeah, I would go Parcells. 
then Andy. I look at it, honestly, the two Super Bowls with the Giants, you can't take away how great that was. And maybe the one of the more competitive eras in the, the game, that 80s. Oof, when yeah. The NFC was just the Niners, Skins, Giants, the, the Bears, Bears rotating and just clobbering each other. Yeah. But what he did, and you mentioned it, in New England, New England was a laughing stock. They were ready to sell the team. Even the Giants were when yeah. they came around. Exactly. What he did with New England, and you're right, the Giants, people talk about that. The Giants were for decades were a joke. Yeah. But the, the Patriot job was really, and that's the team that could have been a dynasty if he stays. If yes. he doesn't get in the way. Yes, because he had the he had this little ingredients, I'm going to use his quote, yeah, yeah. but you know, he brought in the McGinnises and the Malloys and all those guys, man, and the Brewskis, and he had the pieces in place. He had them. And, and he, the, the Jets were a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and he turned that around. Yep. I mean, so I, I give it, I mean, and that's what we talk about. Andy did too, but Bill did it more. Yeah, and even with the Cowboys. Yes. You know, just to jump in, with the, you know, in the 2000s, that success the Cowboys had, Romo. Where those were Parcells guys, you know, and, and I don't know. He, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I will put him over Andy, and plus he's got the extra Super Bowl win. So, I think that that's the list, bro. That's the list. I think that that ices the show. Looking at breaking down Andy Reid's uh, career, his legacy, and it's still counting. That's what I mean. So he might. I mean, if he gets another one. I can maybe say he bumps into over definitely over uh, over Bill Parcells. I think if he gets another one, yeah, and then yeah, maybe by the time it's said, I would love it if, if he could I. bump into that tier one. Maybe yeah, Just I mean he's in. he's close. He's close. Par, him and Parcells were close. Yeah, definitely close. Yeah, I, I agree, y'all. I think this is a good list. No, I think I, I'm glad you did. I like the, the tiers. I like that. I think. I think there's a Hall of Fame, but people, I tell people, like, you know, I'll talk, you know, for instance, in basketball, I'm like, yeah, this guy's a great player. He, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Is he Michael Jordan level? I'm like, well, then if we do that, there's eight guys in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, there's a small Hall of Fame. There's yeah. tears to it. That's why I like that you did that. Yeah, because I just felt like some of these guys had to be separated. You know what I mean? Like the tier one guys, I mean, we can touch, we can we can do a show on each one. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? Like the Walshes, the impact. These guys had, you know, the Landrys, the George Hallises on the game. You know what I mean? Like, they just had such an impact that they got to be on a, you know, category on their own. Yeah. So. This was fun. This was. This was. And, uh, shout out to Andy. Yeah. Time is yours, my friend. You got it done last Sunday. So, we're proud of you here. But, Jose, great show, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, you did okay. <laughs> so for Jose Ruiz, I'm Jeremy Duff. Thanks for listening to In the Zone, and uh, we'll be back next week dropping some more sports knowledge on you. Peace. Peace.